genre. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Return of the King, one overly confident Aragorn at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Norman Mitchell. And today we're talking about Minute 187. 187, right? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Correct. 187. This is what I get for recording out of order, um, which starts with Gimli finishing his line from yesterday. What are we waiting for? Um, And it ends with... Uh, Sauron himself appearing in the Palantir, kind of in the the pupil of his his terrible eye. Yeah, he's just kind of taking shape. Yes, which I have never noticed. Yeah, no, and and it's a it's a repeat shot from the the prologue. Is it? Uh, yeah, I believe it's the same shot of the prologue of him holding up his hand with the ring. Oh, as it comes more into because focus, it looks like he's it. standing up from a chair to me yeah i i think it's the same footage from the prologue they've just repurposed it in here by dropping it into the palantir oh okay but because it's like the same pose that he's making with his fist outstretched and the the whole deal you'll it it gets a little clearer tomorrow yeah 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 but yeah we get we get gimli finishing his whole his whole deal certainty of death small chance of success what are we, what waiting, are we waiting for? for? Yeah. He knows he, what he signed up for. Right. He knows what he's about. Yeah. Gandalf doesn't seem to think that this trick will work, but Aragorn has a plan. Yes. It's um, not a good plan. Two seconds in, I love Aomer's just, like, very suspicious face. Mm. In the middle of, of the frame. As Gandalf is starting to whisper uh, to Aragorn. Yes. yes. <laughs> right? Aomer's not used to this. Oh my god, I love Amber so much. Last time there was a wizard about, things didn't go so well for me. I mean, uh, yes and no. Gandalf is the one who found them, turned them around, and brought them back to um, Helm's Deep. Yeah, that's true. Should have more trust. Why does he look so suspicious? I feel like he looks suspicious because he just found out about all of this like an hour ago. Right. <laughs> yeah. Poor... Poor Amor. Long day. Yeah. It's got to be at least a couple days later, though. I also think he's suspicious because he doesn't quite understand what Aragorn has planned. Right, yeah. He's just... He's being a little overly skeptical. Yeah. But, yeah, then we we transition from this, this daylight scene in the throne room to a nighttime scene in the throne room. Yes. So, has he been preparing all day for this? Psyching himself up. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to the eye. I'm gonna. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna. Is I'm gonna it do this. Time? It looks. Um, some of the windows are still lit. I think it's day for night, and it's just that the blue doesn't quite. Okay. Line up right. It looks like um. Like early morning to me. But there's so many candles in the room. Yeah. Like. That's why it looks like early morning to me. Hmm. I've always or assumed like, it was evening. Or like after after sunset. Hmm. You know? I've I don't know if I've ever quite been cognizant of the light in those two windows above the throne. 
Yeah. To, to me, every time the transition to this scene happens, I'm just like, oh, it's nighttime now. Yeah. Because of how just the room is dark. Because like in the um, archways here, there's light as well. Yeah, but I don't think those are passageways outside. Oh, well, I'm not sure. But those those are definitely windows. Yeah, the above the throne in the yeah. back of the scene. And this light needs to come from somewhere, which would also be a window behind. A skylight. Him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and moonlight. I guess, but that's really bright for moonlight. It looks like six o'clock in the morning. Mm. Yeah, I guess I've always just assumed it was evening. Because it's, because it's like bright daylight through the throne room in the previous scene. Right. So it, it just made more sense to me to track it to be right. No, I know, like eight I know. hours later right. instead of like 16 hours later. But like it looks, doesn't it look like super early in the morning? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. I guess this, that's just weird, I guess. The lighting is a funny thing. Yes. Yeah, because there's a bright light behind him, above him in the space when it turns around and he's backlit. Yeah. It's just kind of trailing in. It could be moonlight, I guess. But, but it's like, it's the light, the angle the light comes into the room is like too high in the sky for it to be morning. Yeah. I don't know. So, full moon? I don't know what's going on Potentially. here. Potentially. But then... You can also um, see the, the hint of the spotlight on the uh, the orb of the Palantir yes. when he picks it up. But like, if it was moonlight, um, those two windows would not be lit then. Mm-hmm. That might just be the the fault of day for night. Right. No, I, I, I'm just, you know, it's yeah. like, what time is it? Oh, my God. Right. I never know. You never <laughs> know. But uh, this this scene of Aragorn confronting Sauron through the Palantir was abandoned in the theatrical. Uh, and it's left over from when they were still planning to have Aragorn fight Sauron. Mm. This is his direct challenge. Fight me, you one-eyed bitch. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it has that energy to it. Yeah. Long have you hunted me. Yes. Long have I eluded you. So he's been psyching himself up for the past eight slash 16 hours. Yeah, just, all right. gonna Some undetermined amount of time. <laughs> if Pippin can do this and survive... I can be tough about this. I, I got this. I don't know that he would think that. I, um, I'm just making a joke. No, I know, but like... If the little guy can take it, I can take it. All I, right. But I don't know that he would, um, if that would even cross his mind. No, it's more like the last time I touched this, it made me faint immediately. Right. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Don't touch me. So, I mean, yeah, he has been preparing for a while, huh? Do you think, um, because the Palantir uh, were used... By um, like the the kings or whatever for a really long time. Mm. Do you think that earlier on when he touched it, it didn't recognize him as king yet? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's possible. I hadn't thought of the palantir as being a potentially like sort of sentient item. I don't know that it's sentient, but it's very magical. Yeah, and like if the magic in it doesn't recognize you as an authority. That's supposed to be wielding it, like. I mean, Denethor could bend it to his will to a degree, um, right? That none of that is in the is in the movie, right? Um, which is weird that they would have the Palantir scene in the throne room, but then not establish that Denethor had one to well, use the Denethor Palantir. I, it just brings two into it, I guess. But they tell you that there are multiples when we find this one, right? Um, I think he does it in the throne room 
he, so Sauron can see that he is there. Oh yeah, yeah like, for sure. Like, like yeah, like I am. I'm claiming my my seat. But he doesn't do it with the seat in view no, behind him. But he does it so that Sauron knows where he is. Yeah, I think. Hmm. With his back to Mordor, because the throne room faces Mordor if you go out the front door. Yeah. Hmm. See, overconfident Aragorn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a what a cocky cocky guy. Yeah, yeah. When when Gandalf is just like, I don't think he'll take the bait, and he's just like, Oh, I think he will. I think. <laughs> right. We get a we get a close up of the Ring of Bear here in this minute, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't know. I I don't think the Ring of Bear here. Uh, the the ring very rarely. I think looks as good as i feel like it should based on the description a lot of the time maybe it's just because it's so dirty because aragorn carries it i don't know um it's a big chunky ring yeah and it's hard to see the details on it even in like these this minute right it has a very big stone that metal is coiled around um the stone isn't isn't even that big i i think well, I mean, I'm just thinking about my hand and just imagining that Vigo Mortensen probably has a larger hand than me. I I don't know. Probably like a longer quizical. fingers for sure. <laughs> just by looking at the proportions of my palm to my hand. Yeah. I don't know. That stone That's is... gonna be about the size like almost the size of a dime. No. No. The stone is not that big. That stone's pretty big. The one that you can see in this minute? Yeah. Because um, it's it's an oval. Because most of it is um, the metal. That that is not the size of a dime. I would say that that stone is probably a carrot. With like, because maybe it's just the shadow, but it looks like there's a big oval stone that tucks under one snake, and then there's another coil of metal. No, I think the it's just this little sliver, like this lemon. Mm. Um, oh, maybe this is just just the shadows playing on the yeah, metal of the thing. The, like. The lemon seed shape. I don't know what that's yeah. called. An oval? That's There's good. like a specific cut of stone that that's called. And I don't know. I don't know. What it is. I know nothing about gem working. But yeah, no, I would say that stone is probably probably a carrot. It's pretty big. It is pretty big. A carrot sized diamond is like it's ridiculous. Massive, yeah. But like. Well, because it's weight. Yeah. So. I don't know that that stone is, it's definitely not dime shaped, dime no. size. No. I think it's just the lighting is confusing me because it looks like yeah. there's a larger stone like tucked no, under no. one of the snakes. It's just the one in the middle and then the snakes are um, braided around it. Yeah. And it's supposed to be an asymmetrical ring when you see the drawing in Saruman's book. Right. But it doesn't actually look like they made it asymmetrical when I you see it in that, shots like this. Because um, one, one snake is supposed to have like a crown of flowers around its head. Yeah. But that doesn't seem to be here. We never really get a really close-up look at it. Yeah. Not not really. The closest look we get to it is when uh, Wormtongue sees it in Two Towers. Yeah. And this ring, always, it's always kind of dirty. Mm-hmm. It's never in good view. It's just a thing. Yeah. I like... Uh... He very hesit- he's very hesitant. Well, I think he's, like, um, attuning it... I think it's still just him psyching himself up. He's just like, I gotta do this. When he's hovering over yeah, it? Yeah, he's just... Because to me, it looks like he's, um... Um... 
like already interacting with it. Mm. Well, because like when he when he picks the cloth off it, there's already this flash of Sauron's influence. Yeah, yeah. So I think that he is already interacting with the magic at that mm. point. Maybe. I don't know. I read I read it as as like a like fear. Mm. And Sauron's going to prey on that. Yes. Um, as we'll see. Yeah. But because he he doesn't look at it right away either. He picks it up, he takes a breath, he turns his head to face it as the eye starts to take shape in it. Uh-huh. Takes a breath. He's breathing very hard while he's delivering these well, lines. Well, yeah, because, like, you remember what happened with Piven. I think it's, like, it's, um, because cause Sauron's magic has, like, um, corrupted it. Yeah. So he's fighting that. Like, we've seen Frodo deteriorate over the course of these three movies. Like, I imagine, like, I don't know, a Zoom call into to, to Mordor. Right. I mean, the so, like, what's cool about the Palantirs, and one of the things that's just, like, interesting from the book, because I was looking through it before, um, about the the Palantir that Denethor had, mm-hmm. is the idea that because he died with it. In, in the book, he burned himself alive, still holding it, clutching it in his hands. Mm-hmm. And it's still there in Minas Tirith, but anyone who yeah, uses it... Yeah, it's, like, it, haunted, right? It's, like, haunted. Anyone who, who uses it sees Denethor's burned up hands Mm -hmm. it's just like that's horrifying but also establishes that anyone with a strong enough will can leave a permanent mark on these things yeah and because this has been in Sauron's like it's been used to communicate with Sauron for so long yeah like we don't know how long Saruman had it no not not for sure there that might be established somewhere in some of the ancillary stuff isn't is that in the Hobbit movie? The Palantir? Yeah. Do they mention, like... I don't remember. During that stupid council scene that didn't need to be there? Do you remember? Yeah, I don't remember. I, like, if if Saruman says, I have seen it or something like yeah, that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He might. I don't remember. I don't I don't. I don't remember. I wonder... It, it probably lists... I would be surprised if Tolkien didn't write down what seeing stone wound up at Orthanc. Mm. Like, what seeing stone that is. And that... what five names it has. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, was there always one at Orthanc? There might, maybe there was, because Orthanc was built by the... The Numenorians, right? Yeah, it's it's Numenorean architecture. It's built by the, the men of... Built by the Numenorians that came to, to Middle-earth with the Lendl. Mm. That's cool. I believe. So it was originally one of their fortresses, and then Saruman eventually took up residence there. Yeah. So it's possible the Palantir just was with Orthanc, actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's oh, probably okay. true. Came with the property. Yeah, you just found it with the place. <laughs> you don't build one. It, it just yeah, it right. comes with the place. Right. But I think in the book it establishes that there used to be one at Weathertop, which is gone. It's missing. Right. There's, uh, what, seven? Nine? I believe it's seven. Seven? I believe that the other two places that are called out as having one in the past are Weathertop and Amon-Hen. Mm. If I'm not mistaken. How many Palantir were there? The Palantiri. Uh, I believe it's seven. I think it, it's Weathertop, Amon-Hen, Minas Tirith, Minas Morgul, Osgiliath, Baradur. It bothers me that there's like a 
like a surveillance company named Palantir because like when I'm trying to Google stuff, like right, yeah, no kidding. Um, it says there's eight. There were eight distinguished ones in total. Palantir were made by the Noldor and Eldamar, likely by Feanor. Likely by Feanor himself. Um, getting given to the elves, by the elves to the Numenorians, who kept them as heirlooms till the fall of Numenor to, during the Second Age. Seven of these stones were rescued and brought to Middle-earth. So there were eight total. Originally. And then they brought seven of them with them. So mm. there's one in the bottom of the ocean. Yep. Do you think that there's a sea monster... At the bottom of the ocean with one of these, and he's just been watching this drama the entire time. <laughs> just chilling. Yeah. That's funny to think about. Four of the stones are known to have been lost. You think someone's just got one in their basement? Maybe. <laughs> one stone was taken back to the Undying Lands on the Ringbearer's ship. Oh. That article has a picture of Denethor holding one. So at some point they had made production. They they had had one in the production, but we never see it. Or it's like shopped in. It could be shopped in. It sure looks like John Noble purposefully holding one. Yeah, that looks like his hands. <laughs> um. Yeah, I like Aragorn showing off his bling. Behold okay. the sword of Elendil. Mm-hmm. And Sauron's like, I'm going to show you something. Oh yeah. Is that how it is? Right. He's about to make it real. Long have you hunted me, long have I eluded you, no more. Yep. Is this the moment he becomes king? In his own mind, probably. Yeah? Yeah. I think so. I don't think he's I don't think he's truly living that role until well, I guess, until in front of the black. I gate. guess like the ghost army. Yeah. Maybe there's it's like a well, this is him steps. announcing. This is him announcing himself to another Baby ruler. Steps. Oh, true. But no, Ghost King. Ghost King's king. I guess he's not king of a land. He's king of the ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> yes. King of this haunted mountain. Yeah. He's declaring himself a ruler there, very, very handedly. Maybe it's just baby steps. Just a little bit at a time. Yeah. Gotta prove myself to Ghost Army. Gotta prove myself to All myself. Right. I, I prove myself to Theoden. All right. Gotta prove myself. Prove myself to the ghosts. Okay. <laughs> prove myself to, to Elrond. Prove myself <laughs> to the to the ghosts. Prove prove myself to my girlfriend's dad. Okay. <laughs> first step. <laughs> All right. This is not going to be the first step. This is hard. Prove myself to a king of man. Okay. <laughs> Easier than than the girl than my girlfriend's dad. <laughs> Ghosts. Also easier than my girlfriend's dad. I don't know. Elrond's the one that gives him the sword. Yeah. But he's still he's still telling him to become the king. Yeah, before he gives him the sword. Yeah. When he presents the sword. I don't know. El- Elrond hasn't truly, truly uh, accepted Aragorn as king until he's got that crown on his head. I guess. He wouldn't have given him the sword, though. Well, he needs the sword to beat Sauron. That's true. To to do what he's got to do. Which really, like, when you think about it, is like a... Is, is, a, is like a Chekhov's gun situation, but it never gets to the conclusion, you might assume, if you were reading the story for the first time. In what way? This sword wounded Sauron in the past, 
and then is reforged for the purpose of being important during the story. Oh, and it does it doesn't get used on Sauron. And again. it doesn't get used on Sauron again. Yeah. Or to kill a wraith or anything. I mean It's symbolism. just used yeah, it's just used to cement his control over the Sword ghost symbolism. army. Yeah. It's only used as an heirloom to prove that he's king to the ghost army. And that's its only purpose in the story, which is a re- tracking it for the first time just feels like a weird choice. If you were just kind of There's a lot of those. Yeah, because Tolkien wasn't a writer. Uh, um, I was just thinking about um, Aragorn trying to jump through all these hoops to prove himself to Elrond. Yeah. And that's very, um, that's very barren and Luthien, isn't it? Yes, it is. So I guess, you know. History repeats itself, yeah. especially in Middle Earth. Especially with elves. <laughs> yes. They, they remember the last time history did this, so uh-huh. they want to see it happen again. <laughs> hey, it's been a couple, a couple thousand years. Sure. Right. It's been a few millennia. Let's let's play a game. <laughs> you can marry my daughter when you become king of Gondor. Right. And you have to do, in order to do that, you gotta do X, Y, Z. Yeah. Yeah, that is very barren and Luthien. There's no werewolves, though. No. Is that the right one? I believe there's a werewolf in that story. Dude. I gotta read that. <laughs> Does he have to kill it? Probably. I don't remember. Probably. Are there vampires? Or it might just be a giant. It might just be a giant wolf, actually. No, sad. That takes his hand, swallows the Silmaril. Oh, that's very um, Norse mythology. Yeah, that's a clear influence on a lot of the, like the, the straight up mythological stuff from the Silmarillion is very Norse. A lot of it. Are there vampires in Middle Earth? There are references to a vampire lieutenant of uh, Saurons or Morgoths. Somewhere in the Silmarillion. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Dude. Uh, I believe, I think, I think it's a she. I think she has a name. Of course it's a she. It's Dude, a vampire. All the ladies are evil. Shelob, nameless vampire lieutenant. I guess the dragons are Ungolian. Oh, yeah, Ungolians. <laughs> I guess the dragons are male. Yeah. They're also evil. So. And Caligon and, and uh-huh. all of that. Yeah. Whatever. But yeah. What is, what is Aragorn about to be shown? Uh, What's on the TV today? <laughs> it's a very important meeting. Yes. <laughs> but. He's opening up Slack. <laughs> we got the team chat open. Yeah. <laughs> so in a little discord. Uh-huh. Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here. No. Nah. Ugh. Anyway, we're from the website duelinggenre.com. Check us out there. Check out some of the other non-movies by minutes podcasts if you haven't already. We have a lot of them. Well, not a lot of them, but like, you know. A good number. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I co-host the Doctor's Companion. If you watch Doctor Who, uh, we're currently on hiatus, but we've been covering Doctor Who for like years at this point. And we've been doing um, some classic stuff. And we recap it for you. So we do all of the hard work. All you have to do is listen to them. Uh, and Well, you should watch some of the sillier ones. It's, yeah, really, yeah. it's really and worth some, your time. Some of, the, some of them are good, like legitimately good. And some of them are good because they're silly. I just remember seeing I Am The Leader Now completely out of context. <laughs> Dude, that one's good, though. It's I mean, just really funny. I, never mind. I... I, I <laughs> It's very campy. Um, and I live for that. I, I know. 
And Geek by Night. If you haven't listened to Geek by Night yet, um, it's a story about a bunch of 20-something nerds who uh, run a comic book shop and also happen to have superpowers. And Scott has been working really hard on re-releasing those in more, um, in like 30-minute chunks. Um, So they're more... Um, digestible yeah less intimidating to listen to as well as the beyond geek by night where we talk to um the actors and the the behind the scenes crew um of which i belong so if you haven't listened to geek by night um you should because i'm really proud of it and uh it would make my day if you listen to it you should be proud of it it's really good thank you um i'm done hawking my wares uh We'll be back tomorrow to see what has stirred Sauron from his mighty throne. Bye. Bye.